This episode of the Talking Events podcast is a special event technology edition, recorded at Event Tech Live in the form of a panel discussion. Event Tech Live will take place this year on the 9th of November 2016 at the Truman Brewery. Ready to go with our next session now on the main stage here at Event Tech Live. Um, I'm going to be handing you over to Tamar Beck, who's going to be moderating our next session, looking at engaging an audience online and offline. Tamar Beck, over to you. Thank you. I think we'll probably start first of all with a quick introduction of who's on the panel today. So we've got Neil Robertson-Ravo, who's Head of Data and Marketing Technology from Top Right Group. Anthony Dunn, Senior Brand Manager from Education and Tech at I2I. Aid Allenby, Global Digital Innovation Manager from Reed Exhibitions. And Ricardo Molina, who's a B2B and Content Marketing Specialist and Co-Founder of Brightball. So I think we'll just get straight into our first question. Um, So panel, many organizers have a desire to keep their events alive 365 days a year, the 365 Nirvana. Is this achievable and should an organizer take the role of facilitator, contributor or owner? Yes. All of them? I think, yes, the, the organizer should be the facilitator. It's possible. Um, I don't know, is there any? Um, I would say I agree about facilitation. I think it's totally right. I don't think you can own anything. Um, sorry to say that, but I don't think that you can necessarily own your brand in the sense that it lies with the potential people that are already in that community, and it's up to their perceptions. I think. Facilitation or contribution was the other option. Um, I think you can only be a contributor if you are part of that market and it's something which sounds and is authentic to you. I think you get kind of found out really quickly, uh, like a wolf in sheep's clothing or any other cheesy acronym or uh, other saying that you want to insert. Uh, But definitely facilitation. I think facilitation is most certainly you can. You just can't own it. So I know that Anthony's got an example of how um, he has actually applied that in his market on the Bet Show. So I wondered whether you could share with everybody how, how you have actually lived and breathed that in, on, ongoing engagement. Um, yeah, so the Bet Show, uh, let me think. So what we're referring to is the, in particular, a Bet Chat, which uh, won us an AEO award, um, plug. Uh, we, we did that on the basis it was established about two, three years ago, I think, and was again the same thing. We, we saw the fact that there was a Twitter community out there and they uh, regularly wanted to talk about a topic, but we previously were putting up topics of our own and saying, talk about this, and trying to force them into something which actually they didn't think was really that relevant, or we weren't necessarily very similar to that contributor or facilitator question. Um, we were trying to own the topic of conversation, but actually people just didn't want to talk about it. Uh, so, very simply, it sounds like, uh, we met quite a lot of our advocates, which I'm sure we'll come on to later, um, and kind of got them to then start governing the conversation for us. So, meeting your advocates, talking to them, and being in their world was one massive, massive plus that we got from a, a big approach that i 2 have anyway. Um, but our bet chats specifically are very simple. It's you know this subject better than anyone. You live and breathe it. You've got something to say get other people to then talk to you about it as well. And it kind of manifested and grew just organically from people that actually wanted to talk about a particular subject. 
And so I was going to ask, I think we've all agreed on that people are still trying to work hard with trying to get 365 engagement around their event brands. Um, can the time that you invest in that ongoing engagement, can it drive an increase in revenues or registrations? Has anybody here actually tracked that or been able to measure that? I think that's one of the biggest issues we've got. So are we all B2B people here? B2C as well? Hands up, B2B, all B2B, B2C? For us, it's all about, I mean, we're the holding company of I2I, so we deal with this every day. It's, um, it's very difficult to track that engagement and success because there's not many tools out there, including the ones around here, that actually allow us to get that data down to the people that actually physically you know, analyze that data, go back to them, because at the moment now, marketing is seen as a line item rather than a revenue stream. And until that changes in our business, and it will change, you know, don't get me wrong, I think it will physically change to the point where it won't just be £10,000 to an event guide, it'll be £10,000 to registrations to get 25000 So we struggle. We do it relatively well. I think we use the wrong tools, and hopefully people can find the tools here to do this, but um, I think it can be done. But at the moment now, I think the technology's not there yet. Or the people in events, who are not traditional events, people are there to do it correctly. I do, I do think that you can track it and you can show the total conversion from start to finish. Um, we, we have two examples where using a, a marketing automation tool like HubSpot, you can track absolutely all the conversations that have been happening through social media, through emails, well not conversations through emails, but like all the email outreach that you've done, anything that's happened on social media, uh, media partners, and everything. And then you are able to track the interaction outside, the moment they come to your site, until the point that they actually purchase, right? But it's because it's done marketing uh, uh, based on a funnel. So you engage, you generate the leads, and, and, and then you end up converting. Um, and with that example that, um, that, we've, that we've had, it's is, is an amazing tool for us to show that uh, a lot of event organizers say social media doesn't work, social media doesn't generate any money. And uh, I am able to disprove that because we can show that social media actually drives a lot of leads. Yes, it doesn't necessarily uh, convert the sale, but once you've got the lead, it's very likely that you're going to send them an email, it's very likely that you're going to pass it on to sales, etc., etc., and then you've got the conversion, but um, it, it does, and, and, and we've got some examples of that. I, I just wanted to kind of ask, was the idea that you're talking about having 365 uh, engagement through editorial credibility or, or your ability to allow uh, the exhibitors and vendors to have the right conversations f facilitated in the right way. Uh, to me, that seems the way, because, you know, the event is the one time in the year they get together, but everybody's having, the, you know, uh, sales process. They're running through a funnel process through the year. So how can we create those touch points while there's smaller groups or webinars or uh, to, to, you know, sponsored content and such like I, I, kind of, I kind of think you've got to have an editorial credibility to it, but the, you know, the ultimate aim is to help people have the right conversations. Yep, so that goes on to my next question was uh, to ask the panel, has anyone any thoughts or examples around 
uh, how to nurture a community with a view to understanding buying cycles, knowing when they are likely to be ready to attend an event? Yes, and I, I would just say that, and again, with, that, with content, you are going to, and you are able to understand what the consumption of that content is going to be of uh, a specific user on your website. So if you have a community, call it a community site, call it a blog, call it whatever you want to call it, call it your event website. But if you're able to understand the behavior of like what Tamar is reading, when, how often has she come, how, how often, you know, that information is very valuable because then what you can do is extrapolate that. You can just probably take all the people that have registered, analyze that behavior and say, okay, if these people have exhibited this behavior but they have not registered yet, that perhaps it's telling me that these guys are almost ready to buy or ready to purchase. But I think, uh, to answer your question, yes, you can do that, but that's through content and, and, and putting the right content. And I also wanted to add something to what Aid was saying. And, and I think the important element is you really want to get your exhibitors involved if it's done right. But sometimes exhibitors take the piss and, and they just really want to kind of hijack the, 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 whole, the whole community, the whole conversation. So I think ideally, you know, you want to manage that. So something, something we've been looking at at Reed is um, the ability to pull data from multiple sources and to, uh, to, to try and draw insight from that and try and kind of overlay behavior. And, um, you know, one of the typical challenges we've got is the data that we gather from registration and, and kind of validating that. And so we, you, there are ways that you can pull in alternate data sources and, you know, things like social media, things like potentially uh, location will help you kind of validate those journeys and identify what the topics are that people, uh, you know, are interested in. But again, yeah, hopefully push out that time frame, you know, of when people are starting to engage and, and identify opportunities to engage them earlier. Are there any tools that you'll, you've used spe uh, specifically to help you with that? E any of you? People. It's, um, that's the downside of it at the moment now. We're, we're in an exhibition world as an people who work in it, I've worked in it for quite a long time as you know, it's, um, it's a very Luddite business. They, they haven't really changed in years and years and I think what's coming now is data scientists are going to become more, more and more applicable in this business who can take what Aid said and what Richard said there and Anthony about analysing data how quick can they get data? What sources can they get data? How quickly can they get that data back to marketing to make effective decisions and or sales? It's not just about marketing. Um, you know, as, as my CEO always tells me. It's, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's about how quickly you can get that data out there because we work in an environment where we have so many touch points, so many pieces of data coming in through registrations at different events. I mean, how many of you ever dealt with a registration from year on year that has the ask a different question? despite the fact that everyone knows that question is the same question every single year, but you word it differently. Um, how do you analyze that data? Marketers, traditional marketers, they're not really geared up for that. The tools we use, we currently use tools like Talent, which I know, well, for data integration, we use Tableau for data visualization, but we also empower a lot of um, data, predictive analytics through um, other, you know, because I'm a technology person, as you can tell, through um, SQL Server um, and multiple tools, so it's, I need to feed back to these teams and say, there's an 80% likelihood that you're going to turn up to the next event. 
it's different for this event. It's probably got a high conversion rate because it's a niche market. But for the bigger events, it's quite difficult. So that's what we do. Um, I think on that, it's nice talking binary with Neil again. Um, I think Data is completely right. He's, he's absolutely right. Uh, but I think on a behavioral level as well, there's so much more insight that we can actually gather with tools such as that. Um, but I don't necessarily think there's anything that can command creating content. I think there's no automation for content that I've ever, ever found. I think it does definitely come down to people. I think it means that people need to be, or our marketing teams need to be back in the market, actually getting uh, bespoke uh, exclusive content that we can then start writing to actually make a connection with the people that we want to, to then drive attendance or revenue, whatever your objective is. But I think data is definitely one part, but ultimately it's about how can we create compelling content to drive engagement with our brands more than anything. Um, I can see just one question coming up here that I'll just ask the panel then quickly. So I, I thought this was a really interesting question because when we had a chat about this subject before this session, are audiences ever really offline? When they're at your event, they are. Um, <laughs> well, I hope so. Um, yeah, they are, yeah, it's, a, it's a quite a difficult question. Are, I mean, are they as individuals? Probably not. Because, but, and, you know, that probably goes back to another way and how you target them and retarget them and stuff. But... Ultimately, most of our events are two days, three days, four days maybe. I mean, apart from one of ours, which goes on for a 10 days or a week and a bit. It's, um, are they offline? Yeah, they are. When they're in, when they're in your hall, that's, that's our community, as far as I'm concerned. You know, they're in that hall. This, is, this community here, these people here are event text community. So how are we engaging them right now and beyond? So that's how we see it. So are they? I don't know. Uh, I, would, I would say the same thing. Whilst there's, there's a probably maybe we should work on the definition of what we think online and offline is. I'm not necessarily plugged in right now. I'm, I'm very much here. I would deem myself offline. I think that's where everyone's specialism uh, as an event organizer is. We create offline communities. We create things that we shouldn't necessarily think or kind of forget about. They are meaningful experiences that people are walking into. They're actually physically using their time and walking through and engaging with whatever you put up on them. So I think there's a kind of blur line between the definition, but for, to me, online and offline communities, offline for me is all about the event. And yeah, I, I agree as well. Like the, the event is the offline aspect. Um, and, and I think looking at the question number two, to create more opportunities for introverts or bad networkers to engage, I think they won't engage. So I think the, the, the big misconception is that everyone wants people to then start commenting, people to start interacting. I don't necessarily think that that's important as long as the person engaged for me engagement is is someone reading what you've put out there and are they taking any action with what you've put out there with regards to your event or with regards to your marketing campaign so um and, and this is kind of where some aspects of community some people think that a community is a place where people sign up and then they interact with each other i don't think so i think a community is just a place where people come and either read and find what they need to what, what they need to do for improving themselves or whatever it is, and then they take some action, and they always come to that side. So, um, I think I think the aspect, yeah, with with introverts and bad networkers, don't you don't bother trying to to get them to engage, just trying to get them to get their attention, because I think the important thing with the communities that's why 365 is the whole term is we're trying to get people's attention, and and. How do we get that attention? 
with content, with content that is relevant for them at the right time when they when they need it. And and then I think I think most of the people, and especially all these conferences on ex exhibitors, they all want the CEOs, they all want the senior executives. I think they're always offline. They don't want to be online because they're too busy. So, um, but the moment that they have a need, they're going to search for something and that's when you want to be found and that ideally has to be relevant to, to your events. So. <laughs> um, it's, it's been really interesting for me uh, coming into the events industry because I, I come from a background of, of trying to create really good digital user experiences um, and uh, being so focused on the trigger point of where, why people are where they are, where they came from and, and what they're doing and someone told me a really good little story today about uh, getting into uh, an airport baggage hall and the uh, airline app saying, your baggage is on Carousel 3. And, and that's, that's a really good example of something where when you enter a hall or when you come into a space, the offline environment, if, you've, if you take notice of what the trigger point is, where you're coming from, then you can create experiences that are really amazing and actually really facilitate people's uh, efficiency, uh, what they get out of the event, who they meet, but it, it, it has to be joined up. That's a, a really good point because I think, are they really offline? Obviously, we, we, there was this whole mechanism of like, we need to go mobile. You know, how many of you are probably going to get lynched from somewhere? So it's like, how many of you have bought an event app that literally exists for two days and then you switch it off? This is the point we've got here. It's like a line item, it's 10,000 pounds or whatever it is to, how do we Exhibition organizers are not content producers, they're not. We are effectively an extension of the exhibitor's marketing department. Um, it could be 10 people, 15 people, 100 people, and bet, for example, it's like, you know, I can't even remember now, it's like 500 and something, maybe more than that. It's like, we, the situation we've got now is that we deal with two different people as event organizers. We deal with event organizers, uh, event people, event managers, who probably do 300 of these a year. They don't care. They're just basically saying, I want to be there. What we do with marketing managers, those are your nightmares. Those are the ones that say, oh, my leads are rubbish, blah, 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 yada. You know, but we get down to the point where after that event closes and we have the event app, how much content do we produce to fill that app to make it worthwhile after the event? The answer is none, because our exhibitors are building it. Our exhibitors are creating all the content. I mean, I come from a, an IT events background, which is even worse, which is um, because you've obviously got the facets both horizontally you know, you know, horizontally and vertically, because you know, you got .NET, you got Microsoft, you got Apple. They're producing content. Believe me, I can't match Apple's website. But do we have to become content producers? Maybe not. Or do we have to become content aggregators, going back maybe 10 years and actually revisiting that technology to say how well can we build that content? Because content's what's going to keep people engaged. 365. Or it might just be it doesn't work and fish where the fish are and go to where everyone else goes. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. You know, that, that's from my experience. I mean, I know Anthony's had a different experience because he's, he's got brand advocacy in terms of bet. But we're not content producers day in, day out. So um, we're talking about engagement um, and the word engagement kind of suggests a two-way conversation. So what are your experiences of paid ads, retargeting ads on social platforms? Good, bad, indifferent. What, what, what experiences do you have of paid ads, retargeting ads on social platforms? Uh, well, well, eight things of the answer. I, I think 
retargeting is probably the savior of, of, of the events industry because it's a, it's a cost-effective way of, of, of plastering the whole internet, theoretically, about your product and service. And because, you know, if, if you do retargeting when you're a user, you're going to be seeing that advert every left, right, right, and center. And then your perception as a user is, oh, my God, these guys are paying a lot of money in advertising. So, um, which is good and bad. It's a double-edged sword. But um, generally, I think, yes, it's a very good thing, retargeting, in my, in my point of view. And if you, do it in, if you do it right, so you don't end up pissing people off, um, that's, that's absolutely valid. And, and I think it's a savior. I, I, personally, I think that's, that's the future for PPC in the exhibitions or events industry. Yeah. And um, kind of building on what I was saying before, uh, the content is just a, it, that's just a position in the funnel. You know, there's, it's a way to get people engaged and it's a way to push, you know, push people down the funnel. A retargeting can be really good at presenting the right messages at the right time, but an easy ask in terms of the types of content people will happily go, yeah, that would add value to me. That's, that would kind of facilitate my, the conversations that I'm having and can be presented at the right time. But, and that's why this idea of the kind of solution sell to an exhibitor and adding value to them and builds on the point you were saying before. Um, I think for mine, I, I agree. Ricardo, definitely agree. I always agree with you. Um, I think retargeting has, most definitely. Sometimes, uh, I think from a personal level that I kind of remember, I, it kind of logs back. I don't know. It's just noise that reminds me of things. And if I've connected with that um, certain kind of event or whatever it could be, or wherever I've been browsing to buy this week, um, I generally kind of relate back to it, and it might bring me back in. But it's a great tactical kind of... Um, it's a good tactic to get people onto your website. Great. But I don't necessarily agree with social media advertising. I think one of my life goals is going to be to try and get on. Has anyone seen the condescending brand page? That's always really good. It's when you, uh, you, you buy advertising in the hope that you create this amazing game or advert that's going to make you viral and go, like, everyone's going to talk about it. And it's just rubbish. And you look through, and these are some fantastic brands, don't get me wrong. But... I do feel sometimes it's a little bit intrusive. Love the retargeting because it's based on my behavior and I've gone there in the first place. It's not something which I've necessarily opted in for, but it's kind of a gray area between I've been there, it's fine. Um, but I don't know, I, I generally think that it also depends on culture. I think we've had a very good experience um, uh, quite recently actually with uh, Latin America and uh, we found uh, particular tactics that we've been traditionally kind of used to uh, data in particular of our, maybe our email or anything direct hasn't necessarily worked as well as for the first time in my lifetime doing the events, uh, PPC. Uh, PPC I thought was fantastic this year and in particular Facebook. But I think going back to it, it's, it's going fishing where the fish are. It's thinking about and understanding your audience and connecting with them at the right place at the right time. But definitely, definitely a fan of, but not on a personal level, paid social ads. Yeah, and I'll go, from a, I'll go from a tools perspective in terms of technology is that I have gone for like, we use a lot of um, predictive content on the website and stuff. You know, it's, it's not because we're far ahead, it's just because we think about it differently. Is that how many of you using, you mentioned it as well, Richard, that how many of you using um, marketing automation? One in the front there. How many are you using exact target or cheetah mail or anything else? Come on, hands up. Or, you know, right? That's one of the key things. Email is still your best channel to communicate with people, no matter what. How you communicate, the content is up to you, how you deliver that. 
for us it's about, oh, well, I think for everyone actually, not just us. You need to actually look at the tools that are out there. And if I was to tell you there are tools out there that allow you to take registrations, give you content based on your registration, send an email based on your registration, they exist. There is, you know, the confines of this hall, if you like, as again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit more of a, I see beyond the, um, what's available to me right now and I see the technology is that there are tools out there that do that right now. It goes all the way down to real-time personalization. If you want to provide a 365 experience, the content delivered to you has to be tailored to you both implicitly as in terms of your behavior and explicitly in terms of your demographics. And that's basically what we're doing right now and at the moment now. There's a capability to do it. I mean, you're using marketing automation. Marketo, Eloqua. Marketing automation, Eloqua. Marketo. Exact targets you're using the marketing cloud, yeah? That kind of step up there to deal with your audience at an individual level rather than dealing with them, uh, you know, again, Anthony and I deal with this every day, but how many people have had an email from the marketing department saying, we're 300 registrations down three hours before and I need to send an email to 100,000 people, right? That's what we need to get away from. We need to get away of sending smaller emails targeted emails, targeted content to the right people. And that's what we're trying to do. And I think um, to add to that, that's, that's what it's all about. And, and you were saying, all these technologies here to say, oh, you can do X, Y, Z to get them to register. But the reality is your communities don't give a shit about you yet. You have to give them the content that they need. Because if you look at it, 96% of the people that visit your website don't know anything about you and, don't, and they are not ready to buy from you yet. Yet, event organizers insist on pushing down the 100,000 contacts, the 30,000 contacts, whatever number comes up about your event. You, and this is what the conversation is all about. 365 is not about your event, it's about them. It's about how you do it intelligently so that at the point they exhibit, okay, I might be interested in that event. Then you actually can shove down their throats your specific event. And, um, and I think that's kind of important. And, I, and it will be interesting to, to see what the panel like the, um, how do you change? And, and those are the habits of old school people and, and especially of all directors. So, and how do, you, how do you get them to see past the offline options? I think for those directors, it's all about the money. It's all about how much is that going to cost and, and how much money am I going to be able to get back? And um, if you guys as marketeers, as project directors are not able to translate that into specific financials, you're buggered. You will not get that approval. So I think the, the, the way that we uh, hold those conversations with, um, with people that are old school, we just basically say, you have to invest, you're going to have to invest X amount of money and then we can statistically predict that if you do everything in the way that we should be, in the way that we all are sharing, you're going to get three times or four times your money back. But you're going to have to give us 12 months. Then they start kind of getting a little bit fidgety. But only a, a few percentage that are really serious about uh, changing this, because as you said, events businesses are event businesses. Are they content providers? Not really. That's why it's going to take them 12 months to get to where they want to be. But once they get the results, once you have like your marketing automation that's going to prove from start to finish what the results are, then you have them kind of raving about it and then you get your biggest ambassador. But I don't know what you guys have to say, how you convert someone else on, from old school well, to... I, um, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much what I do for a living is uh, try and persuade old school directors to take on technology. Um, and I do agree, I do agree. 
But uh, uh, for me, it's about actually boiling it down to something that they can re relate to in a kind of more, more personal way. So, you know, kind of in the social registration world, it's about saying, you know, when you go to an event, you do want other people that you know to be there. And you do want to kind of let people know because, you know, you want to have the right conversations. So wouldn't it be great if there was a tool that could help you do that? And, you know, you kind of start from a need and, and then work back from it. I think another thing which I always find with um, those old school directors is they're all about volume. I think you're absolutely right. It's all about money. So show them the pound sign or show them the savings in cost. That normally gets you through today. Um, but also then start making them talk about quality. I don't think, I think sometimes that's something which we need to really strive on as a business. I don't care how many people are in this room right now. If I have a good time and meet the right people, then I've had a good, significant like, time. I've, I've had something which is actually meaningful to my life and probably will take away something. I'd like to think you'd think about that in this panel, but I think that's one thing which people kind of forget, and it's something which I think we're not going to short-term fix those old-school old directors, but we need to start talking about quality at the end of the day. It's, it's not necessarily about volume or revenue. It's more than that, and if you're going to embrace a 365 approach, You've got to start talking about who those types of people are that are connecting with you, not talking about the numbers of it's had X amount of shares. No one really cares. And you could probably buy that, to be honest. It's all about the quality and the types of people that are actually engaging with you. And as soon as they realize that, a light bulb moment hits. They realize it for about half hour, and then they go back to being old school. But it still works out like that. You have to keep battling away and ensuring that you're doing the right thing. We are moving away from doing traditional, let's open up an event, We'll do the same stuff that we always do. We'll send out loads of emails. Quick panic. I haven't got enough registrations. I'm going to send out a bit more and hope that they're going to all convert the pre-reg conversion that I always get every year. We're moving away from that as an industry. And I think actually quality and talking about the audience's actual real engagement and what experiences they have at their events is going to be the way forward for that conversation. So I think that leads us nicely on to um, asking the panel about ways in which you have tried to encourage your advocates or fans of your brands to actually spread the word about your events and how, how you've done that and how that works. We get them to speak. Assuming that you have an engaged community. <laughs> we get them to speak. I take them, I've taken them to the pub before. I think that's a, a quite a normally one. Um, meeting them is very important. I think... Um, it's great that you can possibly identify them on a row within an Excel or whatever systems you want to. That's brilliant. But you don't actually know who they are. Um, if you really want to kind of take the time out to actually, well, understand what their needs are, you go out and you talk to them firstly. I think that's the most important thing that I learned very quickly, actually, is that within the space of what we are operating education, it's, it's very nice actually set out to go out to those schools. They're taking time out to come see you once, once a year. Go out and see them. I'd love to know how many people actually go out and see their customers or their visitors in particular and spend a day in the life of, because I think that's the first part where you're really going to get that connection moving forward. See, so, and, I, and I'll say, when it comes to advocates and everything, obviously that's a very um, social media reads law type principle of in terms of how many things you're going to get to it. The more people that retweet, the more diluted your message becomes. It's not about getting that, you know, we, we run an event where Steve Wozniak spoke, right? Believe me, right? He tweeted once, everyone was high-fiving each other. They weren't high-fiving our brand, they were high-fiving Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple. And every retweet that happened after that made our, basically put our brand more and more farther in the distance. So what we're trying to get to is that 
there's only one really way to get advocacy like that. You know, Twitter is probably your only real way, isn't it? I mean, as B2B people, maybe not so B2C. We don't really, um, well, we don't really use Facebook that much. I mean, I, I certainly across the business, maybe our other businesses do. But when it comes to tweeting, do we target people to retweet our stuff? Probably not. More about, it's, it's usually our speakers and our exhibitors who've got really high profile names. Um, you know, like Brian Cox at Bet and things like that. So it's more about how do you get them to engage both physically and digitally, but do it on the premise of the event you're working on rather than doing it constantly. Because they're not going to retweet your brand every day. They're not. They're not going to do it. So, you know, some might, but unless they're working for you, but they're never going to do it properly. Um, I, think, I think you shouldn't try to get people to do stuff for you because if you're doing, if you're doing something right, they'll do it without being asked. Um, yes, you're going to find people that come to you after your event saying, I love your event, I love what you do. Um, I've got really good ideas. They give you feedback or whatever that might be. And then I think that's what, what, um, what Anthony was saying is, I think you need to, organizers need to take the time to, to respect their time and value their time. So you might just really want to meet them afterwards or invite them to an advisory board meeting, make them feel important. And with that, they're just going to be feeling that they are part of the brand or whatever that is, and they will do what they need to do. But I think the moment you start thinking, or when I hear marketing teams, oh, so what's going to be the advocate engagement so we can get people retweeting? I'll say, you're crazy. Don't waste your time. That's my view. That's a good point, because that actually closes the loop, because how many of you working in, well, yeah, I know you're working in a department of salespeople where... These guys will have an unlimited budget to go and wine and dine all the exhibitors to get that next, you know, nine square meters somewhere. But we can't take those people out and dine them because there's no revenue direct back to the business. We can't attribute that back to the business yet. That's going to come through data and analysis and actually say, your marketing influence on that person coming gave you 400 new registrations, which gave you this amount. And then once you've done that, you can go back to your exhibitors and use that as a selling technique as part of your ROI reports to say, um, these people turned up because of this. He saw that, we know this, we can use that, and we might go from a nine square meter to an 18, etc. That's what we're trying to do. So, how do you feel about kind of automation in that, in that space? So there's a few tools around that automate things like status updates and, and stuff like that in terms of trying to get more of your audience ad advocating for your, for your event. Is, is the hugely increased reach of using tools like that worth it in the long term? I, I, I tend to think the stats say that if you get a repeated message from multiple sources, you, you kind of go, you know, yeah, uh, I appreciate that, that these people are going to the event and, you know, I'll get something about, out of it too. But if it's exactly the same message, then how do we personalize and, you know, and is that a matter of getting the advocate to input to that, in which case we don't have control over the message? It's, I suppose automation has to be dealt with in a very delicate way because automate, the, the whole point we're talking here is communities, isn't it? And engagement in individuals and dealing with that individual. With some level of automation comes some level of um, abstraction from the individual. You know, as soon as, you, as soon as you retweet something and it says it's not from the individual, it becomes a bot and then bots are ignored or they're, they're blanked. So we're trying to get to a system where, it comes back to your advocacy thing there, Tamar, where do we, need, do we need people to completely doing it? But that goes down to the paid advertising thing and that's not ideal. But um, 
yeah, I think I think it's quite difficult. Richard's probably got more of a, you know, that's his definitely his niche in this one. So. Yeah, but but I think that the term automation is is so vast. So. Marketing automation is actually badly called marketing automation because it's in fact is not only marketing automation. A tool like Marketo, HubSpot, the top five, um, they're, they're, they're an all-encompassing tool. Automation is part of it. Um, so I think that doing that or automating the process when someone downloads your brochure or when someone downloads some content from your website, then three days after you're going to, they're going to be receiving uh, another email and then three days after they're going to be invited to download the brochure and then well, if they download the brochure then etc etc that's very beneficial um, automation to the point when if you register to an event and then if you logged on with LinkedIn and then automatically that's going to be sent to all your 300 contacts inviting them to a conference that's bad automation so that's what I'm saying it has to be very very it's, it's, it's a fine line so um, have to be careful with that. There's definitely automation helps, and, and with the amplification, there's automation to help selling, but um, you have to be very careful. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of, of automating, like, you know, things like that become impersonal because that's, that completely defies a purpose. And again, that, this is what happens with uh, retargeting. If, if you do it right, then you get annoying people because, you know, I made the mistake of clicking on one advert once and I see the bloody advert every single time I go online and it's just annoying. I don't even know how to get rid of it. I've kind of signed my, my, my death sentence. I'd like to say actually that's a really good point. I've, um, one thing to be aware of is the increase in ad blockers in particular. And I think uh, we obviously need to be very wary that you can't tell where your adverts are actually being served. You may think you can because you read a spreadsheet but you don't actually know that your advert is being served on a browser because people are getting a little bit annoyed that they keep getting these pop-ups and as Ricardo is right, if he's gone to Evan Cycles once and he gets told about the bike that he wants to buy three months later continuously, he's gonna get quite annoyed. So ad blockers are actually very interesting in space because they're costing a lot of money for particular people who are spending money thinking that their ads are gonna be served to the right people and actually you've annoyed them, they've unsubscribed and I think that's one thing of automation, which I'm also very wary of. Um, repeated message. I will, I'm very trigger happy. I'm happy to delete you if you tell me something continuously all the time. Or like on Facebook, I don't have any friends anymore. Uh, not even Neil. Um, but I think there's just one thing you have to be aware of. Who's on the other end of your message? Is, and really try to understand those people. I can't stress that enough. Because ultimately, they are getting more savvy and they will start tuning into the things that they really want more than anything. I, I was going to, and we're running out of time now, so I was going to end on talking about how to build trust in those communities as well, because if you're going to try and build this 365 engagement and try to kind of build that around and make your brand a facilitator, then getting building trust and integrity in your brand is going to be really important going forward. But, and I know that's a subject close to your heart, but... We've run out of time now, so I think Adam, are you going to ask some of the questions? Oops. Just before we let the panel go, I want to open it to, to the floor to make sure that anybody else has not got any questions because this is the last time you're going to get a whole world of experience right here in front of you. So now is your time to ask any questions that you've got. Nobody? So I've got one last question, and it's a really quick fire question, just each of you. If there was one area, if you divided social, content, 
and e-marketing. Which area would you concentrate on first because you feel it's got the biggest return initially? Open it up to the panel, anybody who wants to answer first. <laughs> well, they're all directed at the individual, so I'd, I'd probably abstract that and talk about the, the visitor or potential visitor. I, mean, I think they're all valid channels. We work in a multi-channel environment. We can't get away with it. Um, and that's one thing I'd give a takeaway from all you guys going away now, if you're not thinking differently, for want of a better Apple phrase. Go away, challenge your old school marketers, challenge your old school directors. There are technologies out there beyond this room that do good things around marketing, allow you to do better things. There are people out there that, you know, like there's a very close-knit community, but I would, email is always your best channel. It sounds very weird. Email will always be your best channel because that's where everybody's databases are. But once you start building up this behavioral thing, then it doesn't matter what channel you're in. You know more about, you know more about them through the, how they've worked, and it doesn't matter that you challenge them through mobile, through web, through print advertising. You know, the news this morning, they were doing all these things about, you know, adverts in place and movies, they weren't even there. It's just like, what? That's the kid, but they're using that based on demographics who might watch it, how they're gonna do it, so it's data. I mean, I'm, my joke's out, clearly says it, but it's, um, it's all about data. Data drives all these decisions that you're gonna get. That could be data from registrations, data from visits on the stand, seminars, dwell time. That's what's gonna dictate it. And Ricardo? My answer is, um, is content. Well, I'm an email marketeer, so uh, content. And the reason is because if you're, if you're creating content, you are in value. You will always be adding value. Event marketeers or event organizers are e-marketeers, and they email the hell out of their databases. So, but the reality is that email in that way is dead. So, you know, this is, it's not working. It's not working. That's why you have your old school director telling you six weeks before the event, calling you for urgent meetings and saying, what are you going to do to bring all these delegates? Are we going to send another email? Are we going to send another stuff? And then you're like, where the hell are we going to send another email next week? We've been sending emails every week. We can't do anything. So content always will be content because if you've got content right, you've got advocates, you've got trust, you've got an audience, you've got community.